0: I am very pleased to introduce Eleanor Renner. Uh, Eleanor Renner is the program associate with the Young Leaders Program at the Highly Applied Heritage Foundation. The Young Leaders Program works to promote the mission of the Heritage Foundation to the next generation by developing and implementing outreach to young audiences. Among her many tasks, she is the intern director for the Heritage Foundation. For those of you who are not familiar with Heritage, it is considered one of the nation's top safety and getting an internship or job there is highly competitive. So she has excellent insight on what it takes to stand out for the right reasons. Her topic today is From Internships to Careers, which is something she speaks from with first-hand experience since she went from being a Heritage intern to now directing a Heritage intern. Eleanor is a friendly face that I bump into at PPLTI's Conservative Women Network Luncheons, which we co-host with Heritage once a month. If you look at the schedule of events flyer in your program, you will see um, that we have a couple CWNs coming up in June and July, so I hope that you'll be able to join us for that. Uh, basically, the CWN is an event where we gather for a speaker and then afterwards we all have lunch, um, and it's close to capital, within walking distance. So I hope you can join us for that. Now, please join me in welcoming Eleanor. Laurel, you
1: um, took part in what I was going to say at the introduction. But as Laurel says, I'm the program associate with the Young Leaders Program at the Heritage Foundation. And I was so excited when Laurel approached me about coming to speak to y'all. I love working with Claire Bee Blues. The CWN lectures are um, some of my favorite events that happen every month. I've enjoyed them ever since I was an intern. I've heard wonderful speakers um, such as Emily Miller, Katie Pavlich, uh, Mary Catherine Hamm. I mean, it's great and then the networking opportunities afterwards are not to be missed. So I hope that some of y'all will come and we can meet there talk some more there. I also hope that you'll come and network with some of my interns and that you'll hear all about the program they're doing and uh, decide that you can apply for an internship and come join us at the Heritage Foundation. Um, As Laurel said, I started as an intern at the Heritage Foundation myself. I essentially wandered in off the street. I didn't really have a career plan. I graduated in May. And it was fall of 2012 and I was hoping I could jump in on the campaign or get a job on the hill. I really didn't have a plan other than I wanted to move out of my parents' basement. So for me, an internship was a great way to take um, a resume, resume after college that had like a solid GPA and sorority experience, but nothing that really said, I'm a competent professional adult and you should hire me. So I started at the Heritage Foundation then I've been really lucky that I've Four years since I've never left, and I've been able to work with interns in every role role that I've had there. Interns are an integral part of how DC works. I tried to figure out at first how many internship opportunities there were in DC, and it's just not possible. Or if it is, I wasn't able to figure it out. If you Google DC internship opportunities, you get over 18 million hits. So that's a lot of interns. Um, So, congratulations to you for coming and joining us here in DC. It's an exciting time, and an internship is an amazing opportunity. It's a real good way to set yourself apart. You can gain experience, explore career opportunities, network, make friends. But an internship is never meant to be the pinnacle of someone's career. It's supposed to be a springboard so that you can build yourself a solid foundation, a good platform, and then figure out what the next steps are, and that's what I want to talk to you about. Um, how to transition from an internship to the quote-unquote real world to get a, that first full-time job. So forgive me, you may have already done this, but how many of you have already graduated? So a couple of y'all are actually going to be doing the job search. How many of you are seniors? juniors, Undergrads? Awesome, so we're all over the field. Um, what, some of what I'm saying will be of more immediate assistance to some of y'all, but I hope that all of it is helpful um, at some point in your career. I want to break it down into three parts. Utilizing your internship where you are now, the interview, and then getting started. So the first thing first is you're here in D.C. as an intern. Are most of you on the Hill? How many of you are on the Hill? How many of you are are at another think tank? Okay. I know that some of y'all are from Heritage, so proud of y'all. I know you'll
0: hear later in the
1: afternoon about how to stand out in your internship. So I don't really want to spend a lot of time talking about that. Um, she'll cover it, I'm sure. But there are a few things that I do want to touch on because I think they are so important. And I want to, they worth repeating if she covers the same thing. Remember, every day that you're here, every day of your internship, you are building your professional reputation. So you can either be building a reputation of someone who you can count on, who you can trust, who will work hard, who is diligent, is worth hiring. Or you're building a reputation that she's just, here, passing the time, can't really trust on her. You're going to have to double check her work. One of those people will get hired, and one of those people will continue to do an internships. Um, every someone told me one time that every task is a test, and I love that idea. So you want to be able to be the person who, whether you're given a big meaningful project or some of the less glamorous work, like can you make photocopies of this? Can you help me come up with a filing system? That's not what you want to maybe write home about or stick on a refrigerator, but it still needs to get done. And people who are willing to do it um, with a smile and a good attitude and to make sure that it's done correctly and well, those are people who your employers are going to notice and who will really stand out later. Pay attention to the details. The devil is in the details. I like the delight in the details. So those interns who come in and they never let anything fall through the cracks um, are ones who I've been proud to see go on into other jobs. Um, when you do make a mistake, I think it's important to build up your map, your integrity. Tell your boss, like, hey, this happened. I'm really sorry. Um, here's how I'm going to address the situation, and here's what I've learned from it. I've had interns who have walked me through that exact process, and I've talked about it in their um, in their performance reviews and other people to say it's more valuable to me to have someone who demonstrates they learned from a mistake than someone who hopes I never find out. So. Um. And then a big pet peeve of mine is I hear all the time from interns, I'm just an intern, I'm just an intern. People are going to discredit you already. You're already fighting against this idea that you're young and you don't have experience and you are just an intern. So why shoot yourself in the foot? Own your experience. Yes, you are an intern, but you're not just an intern. You're an intern at Steve King's office. You're an intern in Mim Sass's office. You're an intern at the Heritage Foundation. Say it with pride, be proud of the work that you're doing, be proud of the career that you're starting, and don't be afraid to own your own experience. Um, With that, you're gonna be meeting people with other different experiences, because this city runs on networking. Um, I think TV shows are where the bad connotation of networking came in, or that idea. I'm sure everyone, when I say networking, someone comes to mind of that person who's just going around shaking everyone's hand, making it rain with their business cards. Um, That's not how networking um, not how networking is done correctly. Um, the best piece of advice I can give you is to say figure out how you network best. Try some different things, uh, read up on your personality test. I'm a sucker for all those buzz speech quizzes about what your personality is, but actual personality quizzes can be helpful and you can figure out what are ways that play to your strengths, whether you're an extrovert, an introvert. So have friends who are painful introverts and they you hear networking and I think their knees start knocking. But I was asking them, how do you network? How do you do it well? Um, and they go with the wingman. Like, bring a wingman. Bring two or three friends so that you don't have that among yourself. I'm all alone. They're going to eat me. You've got support with you. And then you can take turns also introducing yourself. So, um, and it's easier to welcome someone to join your group than to be that one person holding like whatever appetizer you have on the napkin trying to break into different clips that have already formed. So come with people and then be warm and inviting and let people come to you. Um, I'm more of an extrovert. I like meeting people, but going into just a room full of people can still be overwhelming. And Come out of those events and I didn't really get anything accomplished there. So I like to set goals for myself, whether it's be three people I haven't talked to already or introduce my intern to someone who they really need to meet. I like to feel like there's an accomplishable goal that I can check off my list and feel like I've accomplished something. I also read um, an interesting study that people say say they're more happy after networking if they don't go into it with goals for themselves so much as goals for other people. So what can I share with this group of people I haven't met before? Um, What can I do for these people? How can I connect them with others? So if you have more of that how can I serve other people mentality, maybe that's something that will work for you. It's important to just get out there, like any kind of muscle, any kind of skill, you'll get better with practice. So the more you do it, the better you'll become, the more comfortable you'll become, and hopefully you'll be able to be a smooth networker in that time. However, meeting people for the sake of meeting people doesn't really help that much. If you're just collecting business cards and passing out your own business cards, you're not forging a relationship. So it's important after you network, after you go to these events, after you, um, in an event like this, that you follow up with people, And there are a couple of different ways that you should go about doing that. So first and foremost, LinkedIn. Um, It's a a tool that people are kind of hesitant about it. Some people use it all the time and some people um, are more like me where I, I put a picture up and I update my title and that changes. But I don't do that much with it. The people who are really, really good at networking are really, really good at LinkedIn. So follow up with those people. Or after an event, shoot them an email and say, like, hey, um, I just wanted to follow up. It was so nice to talk with you at last night's uh, happy hour at AAI. I really liked your point on X, Y, Z. I'd love to get coffee. Or can you share some of your experience? People love to talk about themselves. So if you phrase it that way, can you share some of your experience? Or I'd love to pick your brain about X, Y, or Z. Um, You'll find that they're more likely to say yes, or at least they have been in my experience. But even still, most of you raise raised your hands that you're still seniors or juniors or underclassmen. That means you're going to be leaving D.C. Um, but you don't want those connections that you're building now to die. That is really one of your most vital tools. So how do you keep up to date? Um, I think it's really important to stay in touch. So start setting up your own schedule, or that's such a good D.C. term. Um, put it on your calendar in a couple of months. Check in with people around Christmas wish people have happy holidays. Um, figure out ways that it's natural for you to ping those people. So for example, I love Hamilton, and a couple of my former interns know that I love Hamilton, and they've been talking to me like, oh, did you see this happen? Did you hear this new cover? How are you? By the way, this is what I'm doing. It's very natural. It just feels like we're having a conversation, even though they've already left. After. So figure out those ways, whether it's You meet someone, and you know he's a really big fan of Star Wars. Say like, oh, I was watching the new Star Wars trailer, and you came to mind. Hope you're doing well. What you're doing is you're just bringing yourself back up on that radar, which is important because these are the people who are going to be hearing about, oh, I need a new staff assistant. I'm looking for an L.A. Do you have anyone who would come to mind? You want your name to be fresh and foremost. What isn't good networking is when you apply for a job and you start picking that networking built up for the first time since you left D.C. So if you go back the end of the summer and you're looking for a job in May, you want to have that connection still growing, not um, this is the first time they've heard of you since you left. Okay, who is that again? Why should I help you? Also, you've been replaced by new faces who are here. So you want to make sure you're keeping that connection alive. Think of it as running oil through a pipe to make sure your car keeps running. Networking important to follow up. Any questions about networking? Um, And the other important thing with networking and preparing for what you want to do next is social media. Other people may have already talked with you about this, but it is a huge thing that's now becoming part of, honestly, part of who you are is your social media presence and your history there. So if you're going to be job hunting, you're going to want to make sure that you have a tidy social media account. Um, what I mean there is, be strategic with what you do. Go through, clean it up. If there are pictures that you would rather your employer not see, don't hesitate to take them down. It's better to hurt your friends' feelings miss out this that job opportunity. I hire hundreds of interns every year, and I look at all of their Facebooks. I look at all of their Instagrams. I look at all of their Pinterest. I look at all of their Vine. If I can find their social media account, I'll look at it. And there have been times when we have stellar candidates to one too many solo cut photos, or that was not a wise choice to be doing. Like, good job balancing, but like, get off the keg. Things like that. You don't want to have that on there, and you think that should be obvious, but really, 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 um, I've seen it trip up people I wish it hadn't. Also, you can be strategic, so if you know that you want to work at the Heritage Foundation, like the Heritage Foundation Facebook page, like the End Leaders Program page, if you, your dream is to work at Sit in her cruise's office he's got a facebook like it follow him on twitter things like that that way, when they start looking into you they'll see like oh she's already part of us she's already connected with us so helping her out is helping out the team you want to build that kind of a connection already and again i'll send them a link on linkedin there have been several times where i see someone on linkedin and i'm like oh i wonder who they are and then they apply for an internship I'm like, wow. So you just want to be putting yourself up, uh, building as strong of a social media presence as you can. With networking and social media, however, um, you need to be ready to have a resume. And I think too often people push off their resume until you are job hunting. But you should have your resume um, with you at all times in one form or another. So I want to, we're going to go into resumes for a little bit of detail, um, but just some general rules of thumb is that your resume should be one page. I once worked for a boss who worked on Chinese an staff and his resume was one page. I thought to myself, you know, if he can keep his resume to one page, I can certainly keep my resume to one page. So only one page. You want it size 10 to 12 font, readable margins. It needs to be readable. Employers, when they see a resume, look at it an average of 6 to 8 seconds. They're not going to be scrolling through, digging out details in that 6 to 8 seconds. They want to know, is it formatted well, is it readable, is this like visually pleasing, honestly, it sounds silly, but that's the first thing someone's going to notice about your resume. So make sure that it is, you have consistent formatting, consistent sizing, that they're not holding a magnifying glass up to see everything that you've done. When you send an email or a resume electronically, it needs to be saved as a PDF. Um, They open it in Word, sometimes the formatting is different. It's just a general rule of thumb and it's another box to check you send a resume online, send it as a PDF. If you have a meeting, however, you want that printed on nice paper. I work with thousands of resumes, thousands of applications every year, and you can just tell the difference between one that's on typical computer paper and someone who went out and got um, nice cardstock or resume paper. So any little detail like that that you can do to self- set yourself apart, why not do it? And the reason you want to always have your resume ready to go is because even when you're not job searching but you're networking, you want to be able to attach that resume to your networking emails. So when you follow someone up to say, hey, I really liked um, getting coffee with you, you mentioned you could look at my resume, here it is. You don't want it to be like a week later. You want to keep that ball rolling. Or sometimes I know people who, yeah, they're, they're happy to meet with interns, but they want to see their resume first. So you want to be able to see right away when you're asked because, again, it's building that reputation of she's on top of the ball, she's got it together, I got a resume within 10 minutes. That's the kind of reputation you want. So if you can start doing that, that'll help. That means, however, that you need to be constantly updating your resume. So when you started this internship, you had one resume, but now you've already been in your internship for a week, a couple of weeks, start putting in what you're doing. Even if it's general information right now, Have it on there so that if somebody asks you for your resume, you don't have to go, oh, let me get that to you tomorrow night. You want to be able to send it over right away. And so I want to give you a couple of tips as well about how to build a professional resume. You may have talked with your career fairs or professors about that, and I'm sure they gave you very good advice. Another thing is people will look at your resume and give you contradicting advice, but I want to talk with you about how to build a DC resume because it's its own kind of beast. So first of all, construction. Um, the basic categories are your contact information, your experience, your education, and your skills in that order. So, uh, contact information, your name should be big. We're talking 20-size font at the least. We um, want it to be easily visible um, and the first thing that their name is drawn to. You want a professional permanent email. So what I mean is I don't want DisneyPrincess at gmail.com. I don't want um, SeminoleGirl at fsu.edu. I want FirstName.LastName at gmail.com. Or some your first initial, your last name at gmail.com. Something that's very sensible and professional. Uh, if you're applying for a job in D.C., I'd encourage you to figure out how you can put on a D.C. address for a D.C. job. So uh, maybe that means talking with a friend or a former employer or roommate and you can say, hey, I really want this job, but I, you know, I want them to be here versus someone who's in Florida. So can I list your address? You do need to check with that person because I've had people then call and say, oh,
0: I'm trying to reach so-and-so
1: in Florida. So at least give them a heads up so they know how to expect and be prepared for that for you. Another thing that tripped me up when I started is a cell number with a professional voicemail. I didn't change my voicemail when I started over here because like, oh, it's my personal phone. And then I turned it into my work phone as well, and my voicemail is still like, sing your song at the beep and I'll get back to you. And I got this very irate phone call from a vice president of the Heritage Foundation saying, like, I'm not going to sing a song for you. So professional voicemail is a good thing to learn before you make a mistake. A lot of schools, will tell you to lead um, next with your education experience. And I think they think that's important because it's what you're doing right now. You're in school, it's in chronological order. I disagree, um, and you'll find that a lot of other people in DC do the same, is that you already, they already know you're a student. And when they're see when they're hiring a student, it's typically for a staff assistant, an entry-level position. So it's someone who doesn't have a lot of experience, but why do you lead with that? Why brand yourself? I'm just starting out, take a chance on me. Lead with your experience so you can say, I've already I've already learned this. I've already, someone else has already invested in me. Someone else has already taught me, and I can bring these skills to help your organization. So experience. Don't plug into general job descriptions. Really emphasize your achievement. Try to name and context. So for example, when I was applying <coughs> for entry-level positions, I had that I was social chair um, for my story, <coughs> and I put down like planned social activities for a sorority. Well, that's what I did. But uh, when I met with our job team about it, they are like, what else did you do? Just pop it over. So it turned into planned social activities such as um, luau in the midst of a tornado and a Hunger Games cross-campus function for 89 people plus guests. So that has a lot more information than just like planned social activities. And then the person wanted to talk to me about like you had a luau and a tornado, I'm yes, I did. I actually had a fling juggler, and that did not end well. But, you know, it was something to strike up a conversation with in the resume, just off the piece of paper. Um, so, for example, a typical intern summary that I see a lot of is answered phone calls, assisted on research projects, provided administrative support for supervisor and department. Well done. That's what you did. It's appropriate. It's accurate. But it doesn't really get my attention. And you're just one more intern with the same experience. Try reading something more like this. Um, answered dozens of emails daily on important student questions connecting professors to YLP staff, including drafting 27 new templates to expedite the process. Conducted extensive research on campus free speech issues and student loan payment options. Built and managed a comprehensive database of over 4,000 intern alumni from over 20 years ago to the present. One of those, is going to get some attention more than the other. Can you already hear that. Again, you want to keep your resume up to date and ready to go so that you don't have to be making these tweets at the last minute. And I'd also encourage you to find someone you trust who can look over your resume and give you advice. (coughs) So um, I'm going to make a plug for Heritage. We have a great job bank. You just Google Heritage Foundation Job Bank. They will look over your resume. You can get a little workshop with them. It's completely free, but they'll help give you advice and I'll also try and give you tips on how you can plug-in and conserve You're welcome to email me at resumes as well. I like doing that in my workshops. But um, your boss is someone who would be a good person to ask. Your friend is someone who would be an obvious person to ask. Get as many eyes on your resume as you can so it's ready to go and you feel confident in it when you start sending it out. Uh, with a resume is a cover letter, and I hate cover letters. Um, I hate writing them, I hate reading them, I hate editing them. But they are a part of the process, so I want to talk about them. A cover letter is for, um, it's not just for general, oh, I have this kind of ready to go. A cover letter is for when you're actively job searching. And it's that piece that tweaks your resume. Um, So it explains why you are a a position. You still want to have your resume ready to go. But your resume needs to be um, more straightforward. The cover letter is where you get a chance to introduce yourself and explain why the information on your resume fits the job description that they're looking for. So you should demonstrate your writing capability and also make sure you proofread carefully. I had one person who um, misspelled organization horribly wrong, um, and then spell check changed it into a different word that i not. I don't think that's what they meant to say. With your cover letter, you want your header to match your resume, so if you have that written back to your resume to be in size 20 font, you want the same font the same size on your cover letter. You want the same address on your cover letter, you want the same um, address block on your resume so that it just it flows naturally together. And the purpose of the cover letter is to answer two questions. Why are you the right person for the job? So this is a chance where you highlight the skills on your resume, You talk about your achievements, but you don't repeat the resume. So you can go into a little more detail, fluff it out a little bit more, but you don't want to just be copy and pasting from one text to the other. This is supposed to be more exciting, more personal, more jazzed up. But you also want to talk about why do you want to work for the company. So demonstrate mission alignment. I had a couple semesters ago, somebody wrote a fabulous cover letter for, for an internship application. She talked about Um, how she wanted to work at the Heritage Foundation because she had such a heart for the conservative movement. She's been so frustrated working on her campus, being a lone voice, speaking out against her liberal professors, and she wanted a chance to grow with conservative students who could encourage her, and she could learn from, take their ideas back to her community. And I thought, wow, this girl is like top of my pile. She gets it. She gets what the Young Leaders Program is about. I'm going to keep her decided so that if I don't decide I want to hire her, I can at least pass her on to other people just because she really stuck up to me. Three semesters later, I'm still talking about her cover letter. So that's the kind of work you and thought you want to put into your cover letter. Again, have somebody else read it before you send it over. I'd also include at the end of your cover letter that you look forward to hearing from them. Um, don't be afraid to ask for that. It kind of puts the ball in their court because I do expect an answer. Otherwise, it implies you'll be following up with them well. So it's just a nice touch at the end. So say you you have your resume, you send in your cover letter, and you get the offer for an internship, or sorry, an interview, which is wonderful. In phone interviews, there's nothing really you can do in terms of getting ready uh, physically, but you still want to do a good (coughs) preparation. So first off, do your research about the organization as well as the individual who's going to be interviewing you. So for the organization, look at um, mission, its history, who's, who's leading the organization, um, how has it popped up in the news recently, just so that you know um, what sort of to expect, so you can be comfortable and confident once you move into that interview. And then when it comes to the person who's interviewing, look into that person too, so figure out um, what's their career path been. Most organizations will have a bio page, so you can click that and read through. I'd also recommend you reading like their five most recent publications just so you get a sense of who they are, how they write, what they think, what really matters to them. Uh, know the position well. So I've interviewed people and i like, so why do you want to work at this job? Well, I just want to work at Heritage. Well, why do you want to work with me, with, with the Young Leaders Program? Well, I want to work at Heritage. No, no, no. What about this position? So know um, the duties that would be expected of you who your direct supervisor is, get a sense of how this position ties into the larger organization, know the other people in the department. Those are things that if you demonstrate you've already done, again, you're just setting yourself apart from everyone who hasn't. If it's an in-person interview, there's more you can do to get ready. So I like to call it advancing the site. Figure out where the interview is gonna be and how you're gonna get there. The Metro is crazy right now. So if you're gonna depend on taking the Metro, how long is that gonna do? How long is that gonna take? and then double it. It's much better to be on time than to be five minutes late. It's better to be an hour early than five minutes late. However, you don't want to be that person who shows up an hour early and sits in the lobby, because then they feel like they
0: have to you,
1: and you're stressing them out before your interview. So figure out where you can go that's out of the way, but nearby.
0: So is there a close by
1: coffee shop? Or is there a
0: library?
1: Or a building next door? Or what can you do so that you're nearby, ready to go, but not in their hair? Be prepared for weather. Um, You don't want to be the person who arrives covered in sweat or the person who's wet because it's raining or has unfortunate odor attached to them. So just be aware, be prepared, um, so that you show up ready to go. Part of being prepared and ready to go, of course, depends on what you're wearing and how you're dressed. For appropriate interview attire, which is different from appropriate work attire, for an interview, you want to go as professional as possible. So that means a suit. You want navy um, or blue, sorry, navy black or dark gray. You want a button-up shirt or a blouse. You should have your makeup kept as minimal as possible. I'm not going to say don't wear makeup because I
0: don't believe in that. But
1: you don't want to have distracting um, winged eyeliner or every eyeshadow going on. You can be a great highlighter, but keep it minimal, especially for I've noticed they get a little flustered when uh, someone arrives and their face is done as if they're going to go clubbing, just keep it minimal. Subtle perfume. I've also been in interviews where the person who's doing the interview keeps sneezing. That's not a good sign. So subtle perfume. Uh, Your hair should be done. I have this personal vendetta in D.C. with dry shampoo. It's a tool. It is not something that you should abuse. So a lot of times I think we, we think like, oh, I can. Skip doing my hair um, so I can be sure that I'm on time. If your hair is a mess, if it's oily, if it's limp, and you're on time, you're not on time, so watch that. non distracting jewelry, your nails should be clean. Um, I realize I'm a little bit more old-fashioned, but I think that for an interview you should be wearing pantyhose and closed-toed shoes. You want to look as professional as possible. Every box you can check, why not check it so that you can come out um, being professional? Now I've had questions about girls who say like, hey, um, what if I have a nose ring? Or I have extra piercings in my hands. That's who I am and I don't really want to hide it. And I agree, you, sh- sh- you should wear what you feel like you will be comfortable presenting yourself as on a day-to-day basis. So if you have a nose ring and it's something that you're going to wear all the time, yeah, go ahead and wear it. Understand that your boss may not like it, but if it's something that's important you to wear, you don't want to spring that on them later. Um, I would encourage you to wear a simple stud instead of something more exciting, but that's certainly fine. Any questions about uh, preparing for an interview? Uh, when you walk in, first impressions are so key. So you're going to want to have all of your things together. I'd recommend a purse with little else in it, so your portfolio, stocked with a couple of resumes. You want to have multiple resumes. I one time went in for an interview expecting just to be with one person, and they pulled up a panel of six people. I was like, okay, I'm out extra copies. So you just want to, again, be prepared. Again, all on nice paper. So a fully with that, a list of references, um, maybe some previous writing samples, a pen, and the job description. Because it's, again, if you're like, oh, let me pull up the job description. You already have it on you. They're showing how prepared and ready to go you are. So, but you also don't want to come in with everything, like a Mary Poppins bag that you're searching through. So have that purse with portfolio, pen, water bottle, just the bare necessities with you. And when you walk in, you want to immediately have your shoulders back, good posture, smile, make eye contact, and a firm handshake. Then as the interview is going on, watch out for nervous ticks. So you don't want to be constantly playing with your hair, shifting around, or Tapping your leg, anything like that. You want to own the room. You want to own the conversation, and you can project that even while they're talking, just with your body language. So be aware of how you're doing that. I would. uh, I went through a class one time where they had us just sit down and watch ourselves in a mirror, read out something. So if that's something that you feel like, oh, that'll help you practice, why not go for it? Look into things like that, and I think you'll really just feel more prepared as you enter the room. There are some obvious questions that you should be ready for in in an interview. Obviously, why did you apply for this position? What did you like the least about your last job? What are your career goals? What would you say your greatest strengths are? What are your greatest weaknesses? How would you describe your political philosophy? With your greatest weakness, you should be honest, but you should also be strategic. So you don't want to say, I could never show up on time or I'm really unorganized, or I have a hard time following through. So um, try and think over, like if they ask you that question, what can you say that's honest, but still not going to shoot yourself in the foot? So things like, um, sometimes I have a hard time saying no, and I know it's something I need to work on, or come up with a solution that you're already working on. I'm very nervous when it comes to public speaking, but I recently signed up for Toastmasters, and it's an issue I'm trying to build on already. So things like that where you can admit a weakness but then pivot to how you're already working on it, I think is a good idea. Then, with that, be ready for your own questions. I think, um, and I notice this more with ladies too, is that when the interview's wrapping up and it's going really well, it's like, so do you have any questions for me? And there's this awkward pause. Or, no, I think we already covered everything in the interview. Um, Don't be afraid to ask questions. And also, just no, beyond don't be afraid to ask questions, ask the questions. It shows again that you've done your research and you're prepared and you're comfortable and confident in yourself um, in there. So anything that you didn't find in that research that you did earlier about the organization and you, news, that would be a perfect time to ask that. Uh, another good question is what is your office environment like? Um, what growth opportunities are there here? Um, do not ask anything that you should know from the website. How many people work here? Or how is this company founded? Or what is your mission statement? All of that you should be able to find on the website. You also do not ask at this point about salary or benefits. Um, I know that we're told a lot to be assertive and be responsible for your own salary and your own experience, and absolutely right. There's a time and place for that, and it's not right in the interview. So um, when you have the interview, you know, make it clear that you're interested in learning more, which saves the salary negotiations for later when you get to the offer. part. Once the interview is done, it's not over at the end, though. That's when you need to immediately start writing a thank you note. I think a thank you note should be mailed the same day as your interview. If you're interviewing on the Hill, you will find frequently that mail goes through this complicated screening process, and there's no guarantee that it'll be delivered that same day. So carry just um, a couple of thank you notes in your first so that you can finish the interview, sit down, write it there, and knock off with of the staff. So you know the person who interviewed you. It'll get to that chief of staff the same day. Things to do in an interview, or excuse me, in a thank you note. Again, need legible handwriting. You wanna say thank you so much for interviewing me for the position of blank. to again, make it clear what position you're applying for. Try and talk about experience, or something that you talked about during the interview. So, for example, my, I had an interview one time with my boss that, I, that you know, my assistant will learn the dance that we do, and I put some benefit like, I look forward to learning the steps of your dance. Is that cheesy? Yes. But it's just saying, you know, I paid attention, I listened to what you had to say, and I'm repeating it to you now so that you know. Um, and, and again, thank you. I would love the opportunity to hear more from you about this opportunity, something like that. I hear a lot of things like, what about, if you're not sure, if you can get there to the same person, can an email interview. There's an email thinking note, OK? Yes, an email thinking note is OK as a placeholder. But you still want that handwritten thinking note you go out and mail the same day. And then once the interview goes well, start doing your own preparation. So if you get the job, what sort of salary should you expect? What sort of salary can you afford? Um, I counsel you if possible to never accept an unpaid position. Sometimes that there, there isn't a good opportunity or a good way to not do it. Or um, it's, it just makes the most sense, and you need the experience more than you need the paycheck. But I think if you accept an unpaid internship or an unpaid position, any kind of salary after that will sound great. Because if you go from zero to $28,000, that's a huge raise. The $28,000 is not going to go very far. And then you'll start thinking that it's like a good offer. So really, do the research. You can use tools like Webstorm, Google, ask around. Um, even if you don't know what someone makes and you're uncomfortable asking her, talk about like, hey, do you have any ideas about where I can find this information, or do you know what this sort of salary is? Um, so ask around. Be this is when you need to be preparing to be your own advocate, because hopefully the interview goes well, they like your thinking, notes, and they make you that offer. Um, how do you deal with that then? That is when it's appropriate to start talking about salary. You want to show that you've already done your research. How many people have read articles about uh, women accept the first salary that they're given, Well, women don't negotiate for a raise? I have two, and it always strikes me um, as kind of sad because I've never negotiated for a raise. I've never um, negotiated for a higher starting salary. So I was like, should I do that? But uh, the starting salary I was given was in the correct range that I thought I should make. So I don't think that you need to say, like, if they come to you and say, we can pay you $35,000, you say, mm-mm, I want $50,000. That doesn't show that you're confident or professional or not pushover. It shows that you're unrealistic and naive. So be prepared with a real offer and don't feel like you can't accept the first offer. The first offer isn't necessarily a bad one. You just need to be ready so that you're confident making the decision. And it's also fair to ask for time to think about it. If you need a couple of days, ask, when do you need my decision by? Try to then get them that decision in that time period. But say you're balancing multiple offers. You have an internship offer from um, an office on the Hill, but you're also applying for a research assistant position at a think tank. Obviously, you'd like to be able to hold out with the research assistant position. That full-time job is such a relief. but you have a job offer now, so what do you take? Burn the hands with two in the bush, what do you do? At that point, I definitely would say, check in with that think tank. Say, hey, you would be my first choice, I'd love an opportunity to work with you, but I do ha- have this job offer now, and they need to know by this point. Do you think it's possible for you to let me know when you'll have your decision by? That is a perfectly fair question to ask. And it's also <coughs> fair, if at, um, say the office gave you an offer for an internship and you agree that you would look with them in three days. If you don't know about that research assistant position, you can say I'm still waiting for another offer, can you give me more time? That's again a fair question to ask, but you need to be prepared for if they say no, I really need your answer now. And when you give your answer, you need to follow through on your answer. So, um, it's difficult to do that balancing thing about what's best for you, versus you have given your word. But if you pledge to do an internship, you need to do that internship. Or if you pledge to work a year at a research assistant position, you should not follow through on that year commitment. Because again, you want to be building up that reputation of someone who follows through, have someone who jumps ship to the first opportunity. Now, um, there will be times where you have an internship and you're offered a full-time job, should you turn that down necessarily? Absolutely not. I've done this several times with interns, and i will never tell an intern to turn down a full-time job because of an internship. That just doesn't make any sense to me. But you need to handle it the right way. So you need to be able to say, listen, I gave my internship my word that I would finish. I do want to come work for you, but I need to talk with them. And then go have that meeting in person. So you can say, this is important to me. Um, and I'm kind of torn, what do you think I should do? Give at least a minimum of two weeks to do that in person. So no one should fault you for that, but you just you are leaving your organization and your employer a little short-handed. So be aware of that and trying to make it as easy as possible for them. Now once you start your job, you think that, oh, everything's over and everything's easy, but I swear it only gets harder. So when you get that new job, what do you do? The beginning matters the most. Um, I think that those first couple of weeks when you're building your first impressions, you're dealing with a learning curve, everything's new, and yet that's the memory that they have of it. So you want to try and build as best you can. um, With that, you want to work hard, you want to um, not really put yourself forward, take time, you want to take time uh, to learn the office background, learn how things are done so that you don't step on any toes, or create office pas that nobody really talks about. It's important when you're also starting out to be strategic with where you live. So I've had interns get a job, and then they look for an apartment, and they take the first thing that they see. Well, what happens when the first thing that you see is out on the yellow line, A the end at Huntington, and you can't get in for um, extra evening volunteer work, so you can't work late, or you can't go out for drinks afterwards with your office. Those are gonna hinder you. Where you live really makes a difference. So think about uh, what can you afford? How long is your commute? And I would think of your commute in terms of what you can afford as well. So your travel time makes a difference in how much you pay, um, but it also makes a difference in how much time you have. Being with time is that you will always have this ongoing work-life balance. And I think at the beginning, it's fair to say, I'm going to really invest in my job right now. So it's okay to intentionally kind of go off that seesaw, but do it intentionally so that you know, like, eventually after a couple weeks I'm going to scale back and I'm going to be investing more in my life. And I would also encourage you not to think of work-life balance in a seesaw because if it's just one thing balancing the other, it's harder to not let one of those tip out. But if it's, I have my job and I love that and I'm so proud of the work that I do, but I also have my family or I have my roommates or I have yoga every Wednesday and Friday night, or I'm involved with my church, or I'm involved with Daughters of the American Revolution, or my kickball league. You know, find these other things that you can do in your life to help you make that balance. There's a quote I love in Dana Carina's book, it's okay to have butterflies in your stomach, just make them fly formation. formation. So it's okay to be nervous, but just figure out how to stay in control of that situation. And a great way to do that is to have a good mentor who you can go to for all of these So, there's a lot to do here in DC. There are a lot of interns, and um, there are a lot of jobs as well that are always hiring. But so that means there's a lot of competition. So I hope that what I've talked about today will help you feel confident in setting yourself apart. Um, I threw a lot of information at you, so uh, don't hesitate to ask questions. If you have any, I'll be staying afterwards I can talk as well, or you can email me anytime. Um, but I hope that the tips that we talked about will be helpful for you as you figure out how to move from an internship to that next full-time job. Hi, my um, name is
0: Courtney. Um, so I will be looking for a job in about two months. Um, so one thing that I've been kind of worried about, and i am kind of Heard maybe as a theme today is that um, where you start really de- determines how, like how far you can go. So do you think coming off of an internship, um, if, I mean, it's like you said, it's gonna be very competitive. If I'm only able to take maybe not my first offer um, for a job, will that hinder me in in any way? Should I be very strategic this early in my career, or um, will people be understanding that? As you said, I'm, or someone said earlier, like, I, don't, I was just an intern, like, I don't have much experience and I can't really pivot very far, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, it's difficult. I wish I had a really easy answer. I, my typical rule of thumb is I give someone one pass on a resume. So if I look at a resume and they're applying for an internship with me or a, an entry-level job with our organization, but they've been working for a Democrat, like, as a staff assistant, why were they working for a Democrat? And then they want to apply to Heritage Foundation. Was that someone who um, it was their local senator? Um, is it someone who they did from school that pulled them in? Something like that is fine. Um, but jobs that you take are branding um, opportunities for you. So you will start as you move along and build up this experience. I think your first internship, your first job, that's okay. You need that first step. Um, but after that, be aware of how you pivot. So for me, um, after my internship, I worked as an executive assistant for a couple of years. Um, and I loved it, I learned a lot, but it wasn't what I really wanted to do full-time. So I, so I was trying to figure out what to my next step be. If someone approached me about, hey, come be an EA Brados of Texas. It would have doubled my salary. And for a minute, that, that lure was definitely real. But I knew that if I went from an EA position to an EA position, I'm building a track record branding myself an EA, so I turned it down because it wasn't where I wanted to grow. Does that
0: help in that question? Yeah. Hi, so uh, you spoke about networking earlier, and I was wondering what are the, sort of the local DC quirks about networking around here in this specific town? And um, also, do you have any basic tips for all of us as interns going out and just starting with really networking in a professional environment? Yes. Um, so a couple of things. I think good ways to
1: network are the CWN lectures are, um, especially for interns, there's something called First Fridays at Union Hub. A lot of internship or networking opportunities seem to be built around alcohol. Um, be careful with that. If you're under 21, you may not even be able to get in. But even if you are over 21, that make fit, waiting to eat you. So I'd encourage you to know your limits. And even if you have a higher tolerance, stick it at one one drink. Um, When I go to networking events, a lot of times I'll be drinking club soda with wine. Nobody knows what it is, but I still keep it together. Um, In terms of how to be comfortable, a lot of it is know your own strengths again. um, Some tips that I do is I try and have a conversation for a question ready that isn't, so what do you do? Um, So I might talk about, do you have exciting plans for the weekend? That's one of my favorites to go to. Or um, where are you from is a little bit better than what you do. Eventually, you'll probably want to know what they do, just because that's how these people relate to each other. But you're not your job. So figure out other ways that you would like somebody to ask questions about you, and then ask questions like that. And then figure out a system that'll work for you in terms of keeping contact with everyone. I have binders of um, business cards. I feel kind of like wronged. It. i I have blinders of But for me, that's how I, it's easy for me to do it. So if um, somebody mentioned that I can flip up and look at their business card, um, and I also like to write notes in the back of it. Like, met her at AEI dinner. Talked about XYZ. Um, a boss of mine says that she ends every day making a list of everyone she's talked to for that day. Um, so that, that way you just have that record. Again, there's no easy way for me to say, like, this is what you do. Uh, but I encourage you to try other things and figure out what works for you. Some will, some will.